This is part two of the story of Joseph and Helen. In part one, we heard how Joseph had left his wife and children in Saigon and escaped to a refugee camp in Thailand through Khmer Rouge-held Cambodia. Now we return to his wife Helen and her childhood growing up in the midst of war. My name is Thi Hang Hoang. I come from Bien Hoa, which is very close to Saigon. At Bien Hoa, they have a very big air base. When I young and I grow up, the boy, a lot of go to the army and they die a lot. A lot of young widow. That's what I remember when I young. At night time, we're very scary. The bomb. Anytime. Because, you know, we live next to the uh, air base. I remember all the time we have the bomb coming anytime, special at night time. So one day suddenly I heard the bomb, the sound, just the sound, Ooh. and we tried to go there to see what I saw, only the body without the head. Oh my God. Oh, I said, and I ran home. Many, many times I saw that. Sometimes I saw a family very close to my home. I people die, whole family die because the bomb, they go inside one house, so they all die. I coffin lie down like this. I saw that quite often. For me, the bomb at night time, that's a nightmare. The that's a nightmare. The motor, that's a nightmare. So 1974, we, my family, have to move a lot of time. We have to move to Saigon. My family have a lot of the big truck. They have the, uh, the soto, right? And mm. we put everything in there. On the day, really, um, the community took over. When we moving like that, I saw a lot of body along the road. A mm. lot, a lot of people, mm. they die. We really hate the communists. On that time, I'm the student, year 10 or year 11, yeah. I really can't remember what we feel, but we got no future. We never think about future must do day by day. That's what I remember. But always we talk about the war and singing about the war, everything. I saw a lot of widows. That's what in my mind. We very frightened because they have a lot of soldiers suddenly come to your house and sit in the front of your house. And when we say something, we have to go inside and just, just be careful any word we say. But one communist caught her eye. Joseph had arrived in Saigon with the North Vietnamese forces. My mum is the business person. He and his friend come to my house and he, he start talking to my mum about doing some business. I met him. We love each other by heart. I'm nearly 18 when I marry my husband. He's 21. He's 21. Okay, we're very young. We have two children, two boys, but very hard to live with the communists because they're changing all the time the policy and even the money. So very hard to survive. But my father have go to jail for one time. My mom go to jail for two times. They take my mom, my brother, and my sister go to jail. After few months they in jail, when they come out, my mom said we have to move because we cannot live with communists anymore. Tired of life under the communist regime, the family forms a plan to escape. He sent my two brothers, my young brother, back yeah. Cambodia to Thailand. And after that, she sent my husband and my sister and one of my brother-in-law do the same way, walk to the border. The story of Joseph's journey across Cambodia is covered in Episode 7. 
After Joseph had arrived in the refugee camp in Thailand, he sent a prearranged message to his wife through the Red Cross. Now it's time for Helen and her two young sons to head to what they thought was safe. I know exactly here in Thailand because I have that signal. So we pay for the, the person who took them. And after that, my mom again, she organized for us to go to a camp. But very hard for us because on that time I have two sons. They are nearly four and eight months. My sister have two. And I have my youngest sister and youngest brother and one of my cousins. So my mom organized, we go by boat. So we have to come to the Vung Tau, you know, Vung Tau. We go there and stay there for one week. And when the small ship organized, we go to the big ship at night time. We are kept from there on the boat. We carry the much we can, food and clothes, much as we can. But because very small boats, very small boat, about 5.7 meters long, and they holding 57 people. When they, they put we in the boat, we cannot uh, lie. We just enough room for we to sit down and the children on top. And we have to be under, uh, next to the engine room. So we stay there seven days. Seven days on the boat. Seven days and we stand. And my sister children die first. And we don't have any food because we carry what we have. But the owner of the boat, very selfish. We begging him to give us some food. But he said, no, they don't have any. So students slowly die. My two nephews die first. And after that, my sister so sad. So sad. So, so one day, she go up to the lie down. And suddenly, the owner of the boat kicked her down to the floor. So after that, she cannot move. One day, two days later, she died. I even I knew down. And I gave whatever I have, gave to them. And asked for some food or some drink. Whatever, water, but they don't give any. Next one is my uh, older son. We don't have food and uh, he slowly dying. He slowly dying. On my younger son, he very, very weak. I still holding him. We, they can bring us to the, the top so we can get the fresh air. Another way, we're at the bottom. So when we get the fat air, we feel better. But we almost die. Almost. After seven days at sea, they finally spot their destination, an oil rig off the coast of Indonesia. And day seven, we see the side, the, um, the oil crew people on the sea. We're very pleased, very happy. And we start feel we're alive now. We're alive. And they start take us to the, the ship. And the people very kind. We go up there, and my younger son, he very weak. And on that time, I give him some water, and I think I give my son too much, or my son too weak. So after that, he died. And again, my younger sister, the one who chews for seven days, don't eat anything, she's so weak. But she said, Sister, please give me something. They gave me the, um, the mixed fruit in the jar, but they have pineapple there, and I gave to her, and she died again. In that position, you don't know what to think. She said, 
So we've got six, six. six people there. Six people. Of nine. People my wife and my. Uh, so I got cousin. my younger brother and my cousin and myself back over on seven day on the bus. Yeah. After a week of tragedy and deprivation, Helen has arrived in the refugee camp and must now find a way to Australia. And the refugee camp, they get the small boat to pick me up. And after that, we become belong to the uh, United Nations. They ride us to Indonesia. I stay there for one year. Very hard. I try to spend my time on learning English. Any spare time, I go to the infant children to cook for them. And uh, one year, I stay there. I even I cannot go because my husband. He in Thailand and all my brother in Thailand. I got no family. I got no one in Australia. One day, I'm very lucky. They calling my name. Go to interview with Australian ambassador. I talk English, so please let me go. And he very kind. He said, "Okay, I'm very very happy." When I arrive to Queensland, after a few days, I go to immigration of Queensland to sponsor for my husband and my brother and my sister. Helen meets friends of the family who are heading for Sydney and ask her to come along with them. So we go by train to Hornsby. <laughs> Only three days and I got the job in Dream Factory. And my husband and my brother arrive. And Joseph, my husband, get take two months, four or five months for him to looking for a job because he him. He got a job as a cleaner at Knock Grammar School. I bought the house after two years in Australia. I bought my house. 1985, we won the lottery and uh, only one hour after we won the lottery. My husband, he very nice. He uh, called me to the inside the room and said, we give that to your parents to buy the house. To start their life. I have a lot of brothers and sisters. They working in the in at the back of the house, but in the front they can do laundry. So they work very hard. And in two years they pay back to me. And I use that money and borrow the bank to open the bakery in Florence Street in the corner. That 1987. I bought that property on 1996. We always repay the Australian people. When we suffer, they give us a hand. We will always remember that. Working, I feel we've been blessed by God. Những ngày xa quê hương là những ngày mang đau thương. Một ngày xa quê hương là một ngày mang đau khổ. Một ngày không nắng cháy. Produced by Neil Ashworth with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Giờ này đã xa rồi và ngàn đời nhớ Việt Nam.